0: week I talked about this choice that all of us have during this season that we're in. We all have a choice. We can choose either unexpected problems or unprecedented opportunities. We have the choice of either one of these to focus on the problems or to focus on the opportunities. And in many ways, what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks has to do with that. Because if you really think through what everybody is dealing with right now, as we're going through this quarantine time and, and the COVID-19 uh, pandemic that, that is happening. You know, a lot of what is causing us to be anxious and nervous and fearful and angry and depressed um, is that it has become painfully obvious that we are not in control, that we are out of control. But let me give you a little secret. You never were. We never really were in control. And so for the next few weeks, I wanna look at some different people in the Bible who went through uh, difficult circumstances and dealt directly with losing control. That they were, uh, their control that they thought they had was was ripped from them. And how did they deal with that? How did they, uh, what did they learn from that? Were they encouraged uh, by that? Did they, did they handle it poorly? Um, what can we learn from that? Because, you know, when our control gets ripped from us, do we focus on the problem or do we maybe look for the opportunity? And, you know, the ultimate story of this obviously is Jesus. And, and every week we, we point to Jesus. Every week we point to him. And, and we see through these stories, though, that we're going to look at over the next few weeks, how God was able to, to help people through these circumstances that, that they're, they've been put in, and ultimately it brings glory to God. Whether they handled it well or whether they handled it poorly, ultimately it brings glory to God, and, and that's our goal in everything that we do anyway. So for the next two weeks specifically, I want to look at a guy named Joseph. And Joseph, I just could not help. Um, the, the story of him just kept hitting me, just kept hitting me over and over again as I was thinking through and praying about what we were going to dive into here for the next few weeks Joseph's story just kept coming to me because it's an incredible story of, in many ways, quarantine and it's an incredible story of losing control. And there are a whole lot of pieces, parts to this story and we're not gonna be able to go through every bit of it. So I'm really gonna focus on two main parts of his story. We're gonna, this week, look at the beginning of his story because this part of his story really sets the stage for all of the rest and how it's all handled. and then next week, I want to look at the end of his story. And it's in uh, Genesis chapter 37 through about 45, somewhere in there. So if you want something to read over the next week or two, read all of those chapters because we're not going to be reading all of those chapters here. Um, but we're going to be reading some bits and, bits and pieces of them. And so the story really begins in Genesis chapter 37. And I think you're going to see in a few minutes how this actually applies to us and the things that we can learn from this when it comes to losing control and being out of control and what that really looks like when God gets involved. So we're gonna be in Genesis chapter 37, uh, beginning in verse one. So here we go, it says, so Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. Um, Lost my spot there. This account of Jacob and his family when Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Billa and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. So from what I've read in scripture, this is really the first time that a teenager is specifically called out. And I believe that is for a reason. But quite honestly, all of us can relate here to the story that's going on because Joseph was comfortable. He was a little bit arrogant and cocky, if you will. And he thought his life would be the way that it was all of the time. Uh, on the other side of that, though, you've got his brothers. And his brothers were, uh, were feeling slighted. They were uh, feeling overlooked. They were feeling mistreated. And some of that's valid, quite frankly, because they were, in, in many ways, um, looked at that. And then Jacob, the father, gives Joseph this coat. He gives him this coat, this robe, which is really a status symbol. And it makes a lot of sense why his, brothers, uh, his older brothers would get upset at this, but they really take this way too far. It really gets to an out-of-control place because this coat is a symbol of leadership. It's, um, it's a symbol of birthright, which is really interesting because Joseph's the youngest. And so the older ones, boy, they're, they're getting really upset at this. And, and the birthright piece is really a big deal. And this kind of sets the stage. Because Joseph then, if, if you go on a little bit, he has a few dreams, and he decides to tell his brothers about these dreams that really make it seem like they are all going to bow down to Joseph. So that just adds to it even more. Why Joseph would go and tell them this, I don't know. That tells me that he was a little bit arrogant and a little bit cocky. Um, and, and so his brothers then go off to, uh, to work and, and look over his father's uh, sheep and their flocks. Joseph stays behind. Some days go by, Jacob, the father, sends Joseph off to check on them. So he goes off to check on them, and, and that's where we are uh, as we come to verse 18. If you do have the Bible app and you're following along, I forgot to mention that a few minutes ago, uh, we're in Genesis 37, verse 18, and so here's what it says, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. Now, why do you think they recognized him? They recognized him because of that coat, Right? As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father that a wild animal has eaten him, and then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Well, that escalated quickly, didn't it? That escalated very quickly. See, ego, jealousy, and pride, those things... um, those things really come out and, and become intensified um, when, when, when things like this happen, when we get into a place of, of losing control. And we see this from his brothers. We see it from Joseph. Um, because his coat, as he approached his coat, made their blood boil. It, it just angered them in the worst way because it brought to the forefront when they saw that how upset he, you know, it really made them upset and, and it really reminded them of all of the things that they were being slighted for and, and all of that stuff. You know, jealousy and bitterness are poison. Why is that? Because in many ways, that means that we've lost control. If I'm bitter, if I'm jealous, that means that I've lost control. And when, when we lose control, we get desperate. When we lose control, we get desperate. We get desperate and it says in James chapter 3 verse 16 listen to this it says for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition there you will find disorder and evil of every kind when we lose control we get desperate and then when we get desperate we have the potential to make bad choices we have the potential to make bad choices when we get desperate all of us do and, you know, there, there are a couple of kinds of desperate, I'll call it. There's good desperate and there's bad desperate. And I would say that the good desperate would be the kind of desperate that maybe drives you, uh, drives you closer to God and also drives you to do better. I don't know about you, but uh, there, there are times where I find myself working a little better when I'm under pressure. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. It's probably not. Uh, but there are, there are times where that, that desperation mode of, oh, I've got to get this done and, and I've got to get this done on time and all of that, and that will sometimes drive me to excellence. Um, I don't necessarily lean into that. I don't don't procrastinate necessarily and wait for, for that moment to happen, but I would call that maybe a good kind of desperate, but then you've got the bad desperate, and that's the one that I think we all can relate to a little bit here because that pulls us away from God. That pulls us away from God, and really what's the difference? If you really boil it down, what's the difference between the good desperate and the bad desperate? It really comes down to one word in, in many circumstances, and that would be selfish. In many ways, it's selfishness because a bad choice. It's interesting that the brothers of Joseph actually justified this. It's, it's crazy because if you read through them discussing it, Reuben, who's the oldest, actually sticks up for, for Joseph and says, no, 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 we, we shouldn't kill him. Like, come on, guys, we shouldn't kill him. And, and Judah actually says, you know what? You're right. Let's just sell him instead. What? What? How, how, is it, how is this even like a thing? How are they sitting there and being like, yeah, that's a great idea. That, that makes a whole lot of sense. This, this is out of control. These guys have, have allowed their feelings of desperation and bitterness and, and jealousy and pride to take them to a place that they should have, have never gone. And so his brothers decide to spare his life and sell him for 20 shekels, 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, the Ishmaelites take Joseph away and sell him in Egypt to the Pharaoh's captain named Potiphar. And, and some other things happen there that, that we're gonna talk about a little bit next week. And so he's sold into this place. And you know, we, we can't control others. And I know that there's times that we wish we could. You know, Right now, we, don't, we really don't have control of anything. And there's times where certain things happen and we wish that we could control it because we can't, the problem is though that we really can't control other people. The only, the only person that we can really, really control is ourself. We can only control ourself. And we know that Joseph chose to control himself in that he stayed close to the Lord. He didn't abandon what he knew of God even in the midst of this. I can't imagine what was going through his head. But he chose, in that moment, at 17, he made the decision about who he was gonna be. He made the decision about how he was going to at least control himself and how he was going to to look at this situation. And it says that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. And it's mentioned three times in chapter 39. We're gonna be moving ahead to chapter 39, but it's mentioned in verse two, verse 21, and verse 23. And we're gonna look at verse two, right now because he's in verse two and three he's in uh he's in the the care if you will he's a slave of potiphar and and this is what happens to him It's, it's really interesting it says this the lord was with joseph so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his egyptian master potiphar noticed this and realized that the lord was with joseph giving him success in everything that he did how interesting is that? Think about the contrast here between Joseph and his brothers and what happens. Joseph's brothers think that they're sticking it to him. In many ways they are, in many ways they have. Um, and I can't really imagine what was going through Joseph's mind during the time of travel and, and, and wondering what was gonna happen to him. And was he gonna survive each and every day? And, and even when he landed in the care, if you wanna call it that, of Potiphar, what was going to happen to him there? But what's interesting is that the choice Joseph made to stick close to the Lord, Joseph was a slave, but in many ways, because the Lord was with him and he stuck close to the Lord, he was a slave, but he was free. He was free. And Joseph's brothers, they were by the world's standards free. But don't you think they were dealing with guilt and shame and you know, having to cover this up they went back and, and told Joseph's dad that, that he was dead, that Joseph was dead, and that, and that some animal ate him because they found his coat all ripped up. Instead, what the brothers did is they, they tore up his coat and dipped it in blood of a sheep, showed it to his dad, and, and his, his dad was mourning and mourning. And, and actually, Jacob said, I will be mourning the death of, of Joseph for the rest of my life. That was the way that he put it. And so you've got his brothers who were free, but... They were really slaves to secret and and shame and guilt. And, you know, even at this early point, it seemed like Joseph had no control over his circumstances, and he didn't. He didn't. But, you know, God overruled the evil choices of man to accomplish God's eternal purposes. So really, what did Joseph do? If we're being honest, he surrendered. Joseph surrendered. And that's the big contrast that we're looking at here because when we surrender control we can see God's purpose more clearly. We can see God's purpose more clearly when we surrender control to God. When we stop trying to control it all ourselves, and we all have a tendency to do that. We all, some of us more than others. There, there are certain aspects of my life where I am a control freak. You can ask anybody that, that works with me that there are certain aspects that I become a control freak. But you know what? When we surrender control to God, we can see God's purposes so much more clearly. And you know why? Because being out of control keeps God in front of us. Being out of control keeps God in front of us because if we can't control it, we need to look to the one who can. Joseph couldn't see God's plan and God's plan is amazing. If you read it and as we'll talk about some next week, God's plan through all of this is unreal. But Joseph was trusting all the way. Joseph lost control of his life, but he made a choice about how he was going to handle this. And we know because here's an interesting thing. Through all of this, you won't find one passage or one moment of Joseph complaining. And that's crazy because not only was he a slave, but, but also in the midst of the story between what's gonna happen next week, he also gets thrown in jail, and he's there for like a decade, but you never see him complaining. You know, sometimes God will strip everything away from us he'll strip everything away from us so that we have no choice but to either turn to him or turn from him there's a lot of people right now that are choosing one or the other i can't work harder because i can't go to work i've got this problem so i'll just normally what i what i would do is work harder but i can't because i can't go to work so maybe i can just pay it off maybe you know a lot of times with my problems i'll just throw money at it well you know what A whole lot of us don't have any money right now because we can't work and so we don't have money. So we can't do that. Um, Okay, well, I'll just run from my problems. Usually I, I, I can just run from the problems that I've got. Well, guess what? You're not allowed to leave your house. So you can't do that either because there's really nowhere to run. I'm not in control. That's really the problem that we're all running into right now, isn't it? Look at Romans chapter eight. In Romans chapter eight, there's a very familiar passage here to a lot of us. And I want to read this, but I want to read it in context because a lot of times this passage gets taken out of context. So check this out. Beginning in verse 26, Romans 8:26 through 28 says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes. Haven't you found times maybe recently? I know I have. Where you're just trying to figure out what you should even pray for. I know I've had those moments. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And you know, a lot of times this verse will, um, will get quoted and it's a great verse to quote during this time, especially. But we can't forget about the important qualifiers here that also remind me of Joseph, quite frankly. There are some qualifiers here that can't be overlooked. And it's this part right here. Those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's an important part that a lot of times gets overlooked. A lot of, in all things, God works for good. Yes, ish. But this is an important part To keep in mind, Joseph loved God. He stayed close to God. God had a purpose in his life, and he was called to that. And it began with his love for God. Those who love him, who have been called, those things matter. And a lot of that comes from surrendering control. Because when we surrender to the Lord, when we surrender to the Lord, the pressure is off. When we surrender control, the pressure is off. Here's what I mean by that. Now, is this gonna completely just make you like happy-go-lucky, carefree? No, that's not necessarily what I'm saying here. But it should relieve some of the pressure from you to know that the one who is really in control, the pressure is there. Uh, Romans 8.31, as you jump down a little bit further in, in Romans chapter eight, it says this, what then shall we say in response to these things if God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us if God is for us? I mean, honestly, think about that. That should be an encouraging thought to you right now. Joseph was obviously leaning into these principles here. In his life, he was leaning into these principles, and and it helped him to make the decision that that was really the best decision. um, Because he made the best of it because he glorified God in all that he was doing. As you read through this, you see various times where Potiphar even says, you know, it's clear that that the Lord is with you. And that was an important thing for Potiphar who who did not believe in the God that, that Joseph believed in. But that made a difference in his life because he could see, Potiphar could see the way in which Joseph was living. He could see the way in which he had decided to surrender control to God and to handle the circumstances that he was in. God has us here in this moment that we are all in right now Listen to me. God has you here for a reason. God has us here for a reason. And am I going to look at the opportunities maybe that God has for us or am I just going to focus on the problems? It's really easy to focus on the problems. In fact, our nature takes us there. But are we surrendering control to God? Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse one says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Look at this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. See, the choice we make about control affects how we handle God's plan. It's God's plan. It's not our plan. And we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to fix our eyes on him. The best place to fix our eyes, especially in this season that we're going through, is on Jesus. God had an amazing plan for Joseph. He's got an amazing plan for you and for me if we're willing to surrender control to him. It has to start there. It began, though, with Joseph, as we go through the rest of his story, it began here. Because if he hadn't made the decision to surrender control here, at the beginning, he very well could have uh, easily crumbled under the pressure and died and probably would have been killed. But instead, he looks for opportunities. He thrives where he's at. Every place that he's put in, as you read through it, you will see him thrive in those circumstances no matter how terrible they are. And if Joseph hadn't made that choice because he knew who he was and he also knew whose he was, And he was confident in that. He let that drive him. That guided him. We need to embrace the fact that we are not in control and he is. Plain and simple. We need to embrace the fact that we are not in control and God is. And with that perspective, with that perspective comes contentment, comes peace, comes understanding. And it's a perspective of wisdom and clarity, not of panic and and frustration and confusion. And so, my connection point for the morning is this stay out of control and surrender. And that might sound funny, but we, we all are out of control right now. None of us really have control over the things that we thought we did. But when I say stay out of control, I'm talking about our relationship with God. Stay out of control and surrender.